Hi, Wulkami Podcast listeners. Welcome to yet another episode. This is episode 121. And today's episode is also in collaboration once again with the Schneider Group, as I'm talking to another authentical registered wool grower. And my guest today is Susan Finnegan. She and her husband and son and daughter-in-law are farming together on their property called Kiora. And they, yeah, Susan was so kind to share her story, um, how they farm, what all they do to improve the animal welfare and the biodiversity on their property. So I do hope you enjoy this episode and I'll talk to you again at the end. Bye for now. Well, uh, hello and welcome, Susan. Uh, it's wonderful to have you on the Wool Academy podcast today. I hope all is well, your end. Yes, thank you, Elizabeth. It's lovely to talk to you. Thank you for <laughs> taking an interest in Kiora. Yes, so maybe um, tell us a little bit about yourself um, to get us warm and ready for our conversation. And also tell us something about your farm, where you are based, what you do on your farm, etc. Well, um, I'm Susan and I'm uh, one of the partners on our farm. There's a, uh, we're a family of seven, really. There's three generations living on Kiora. Um, we are self-made farmers, essentially. There's four generations of knowledge. My husband and I are both from farming families, but um, we um, have uh, had, a, had a long journey to end up with our own farm, which is very exciting. Um, where we're located, we're uh, in southwest Victoria, Australia. We're at the end of the Great Ocean Road, so we're just north of Warrnambool. Uh, at the end, well, the 12 Apostles of the Great Ocean Road, everyone seems to know that. Uh, we chose to move here probably uh, 20 years ago, and we chose Kiora as our farm basically because of well, it's the soil type um, and rainfall. It's got beautiful volcanic soil over limestone, which was lovely for drainage. 750 mil rainfall, so that was perfect. And uh, the location was close to schools for our children. So um, we were, it was a perfect place for our sheep, uh, which we have. We have merino sheep, obviously, and uh, grow beautiful, perhaps about 17.5, 16.5 micron wool. And you, you, so you're saying you've never, you only moved to that farm 20 years ago and mm. um but do you know a little bit more about the history of of the farm before you moved there oh as well? yes 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 the farm's actually on gundinjamara country in about uh, 1850 it was named kiora and then in around 1910 it was divided it was a very large station it was divided uh for close, closer settlement uh the government decided that to populate the regional areas, it would be good to have smaller farms. So a lot of dairy farms around us, and that's how towns and things popped up. But it's also the reason the land was cleared. So it's it's not as treed as it could be. Uh, and so it's, it's a, a special place also because we have sheep and not many other people do around here. And um, what made you, so you have a history, like you say, four generations of um, farming, but then you and your husband decided to, to buy your own farm. Yes, yes. Um, my husband's father was a shearer and he also um, very hardworking. He was 
As a 12 year old, he was living in a men's camp on a river in a tent cutting uh, timber, uh, sleeper cutter, because uh, they yeah, were obviously large family and um, that's what they had to do. Education wasn't possible. Um, my husband and I, we've all worked off farm and progressively bought more land. We were in the Golden Valley and found we couldn't expand there. We moved to Lucendale in South Australia and loved it. We were there four years and then there was illness in our family and blue gum plantations came and they offered us a lot of money to sell our farm to them. And we had four children, I think two at university. We we were happy. We were aspirational. We were we were wanting to go ahead. So we took that opportunity to move, and so that's how we ended um, choosing Kiora. Yeah. And I understand that you you and your husband and also your children work on Kiora. Yes, yeah. my um, son James. He's uh, how old? Um, James is in his thirties. He uh, was working. He has an ag science degree and commerce background, and was working in banking. But he's just bought a farm to the north of us. So we run the two farms together, essentially. Mm. So now there's three of us working full time and my daughter-in-law, Nikki, does some and also works as a teacher. Ah, okay. So a real family business. You have yes. There. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And is there a special meaning of what Kia Ora means? Oh, yes, Kiora. You have to. Kiora. Sorry, Kiora. <laughs> no, no, no the, the Maori shearers are very keen on correcting me if I don't pronounce it properly. It is, it is a Kiwi or a New Zealand greeting, but it, to literally, it means to have life or to be healthy, which is a lovely name for a farm. It's, it is a name that is used in Australia quite often for farms, but in our case, it's quite special because we do have undulating hills, lovely green grass. I mean, 750 mil rainfall, we're green most of the year. So it does look a little like New Zealand. And we've had um, Maori shearers that'll sit on the landing during shearing and ring their mum and say, oh, mum, I'm homesick. You should see where I am. I'm on Kiora. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> That's a lovely story. And um, yeah, and so moving on to how you actually farm, because I, I went extensively onto your website, which I will also link to in the show notes. And I actually want to read something from, from your website, because you, you say that you are running a commercial flock of superfine merinos embracing ethical, sustainable and profitable wool production. And you shorten it up by ESP. So talk to me a little bit about this turn of embracing I, I think i love the word embracing and then ethical sustainable profitable wool production so what does that mean for you and kind of how did you decide that that was the way you want to work your farm well it's not actually new uh the way we work with our animals and with the environment we've been doing since we started farming a long long time ago i think to have good wool you have to have healthy happy animals and you have to like your animals I mean people used to tease my husband that you know he liked his sheep um, a lot and he would you know always be more concerned for them than coming home in time for dinner that sort of thing um, but the actual word um, ESP or ethical sustainable profitable we is not something new it's a long-term plan but when we were putting the website together my daughter-in-law 
was looking for the words and they were the words that kept coming up. They were the important things. And so ESP became the word. I think profitable is probably a word people don't like hearing, but we have to be profitable. We're aspirational people. We want our children to be educated and to have economic independence. So yes, you have to be profitable. So therefore you can farm sustainably. Um, ethical and sustainable to us is essentially giving back what we take out and doing it according to best practice. Uh, practice. Um, we are commercial farmers. We're, we're not hobby farmers. I mean, sometimes we'd love to be a hippie in the hill, but <laughs> we're, we're based on science and best practice. And, and that's the way we want to farm. And that's what we want to tell people about what we do. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, and even then it goes even further. You also write about your values and then you um, list all the efforts you've done to live up to your values. And one of them is you write, we acknowledge that historically agriculture was a driver for biodiversity loss and it is our privilege to actively manage the land to redress this and be the solution. We use regenerative practices, tracking the changes to confirm improvements. So was there a particular moment in your farming life that you kind of said, oh, we need to acknowledge this, that there's this biodiversity loss and that it is our opportunity to, to reverse this loss? Or what, like, how did this come I, I wish I wish I could say yes, that there was a light, <laughs> a light bulb moment, but yeah. no, it's, it really is about an obligation we all have. I think the more you know, The better you can be so with with knowledge you have to acknowledge the past and uh, I think history is a great teacher uh, it's not our personal fault that the land was cleared and that it was extensively cleared um, but it is the reality and I think being having land and being farmers we can actually make a huge impact the way we treat our animals the way we work with the environment if we do it well we can make a huge impact on the environment, on the community. And so, no, there was no light bulb moment. It was actually a well-planned choice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm. And tell me a little bit, so you, you list on your website a, a lot of things that you've already done. Can you share these things that you have implemented or done to improve oh, yes. your farm? Oh, so much. When we moved onto the farm, it was very obvious that it was um, rather run down. So we essentially started from the earth um, and we made sure the rivers were fenced off so that um, the grasses could grow and there'd be no runoff into the river. And we uh, put the troughs in for our sheep. Uh, we reinstated the windmills so that they're wind powered, but we have electricity backup for safety. Uh, then we actually did soil testing uh, so that we could ensure that we were uh, fertilizing the soil as necessary and giving the trace elements, but not putting more that was needed on it. We're looking at optimal production rather than maximum production. Uh, when we're sowing down pastures, we try and do it with direct drill and as little intervention as possible. We, but we plant mixed species perennials that are deep rooted so they'll sequest carbon, those sort of things. 
Um, there, we have some areas that are of high ecological significance, like the Winslow Gorge, with, and it's got beautiful remnant vegetation. And so we've fenced that off separately. And whenever we plant trees in, along that area, we only plant that the species that are found there. And so that's basically how we started from the ground. And then as far as the animals, well, I mean, clearly in Australia, they're, they're free range, they just graze. But we try and make sure that our monitoring is very uh, astute and we will do uh, fecal egg tests, that sort of thing, to check that they don't have internal parasites, that sort of thing. We also, as far as um, ethical, we do things like uh, we use cover combs or snow combs when we're shearing so that we leave, it's like having a number four haircut, so we leave them in their thermal underwear so that they're, <laughs> they're comfortable afterwards. We also don't shear below the hocks, uh, below the knees, so that well, it's good the animal cannot be cut, but it also means that the processor, when they get our wool, will not get any of that short, hairy wool. So we're looking at the, the whole chain and trying to make sure that we're, we're doing the best with our wool and with the animal. And as far as people, obviously, Australia has a great reputation for um, safety and having systems in place, but we make sure that that's what we do on our farm. And... I think also as far as people, we um, have, like we're now a wildlife sanctuary, although we don't have enough trees, we'd like a lot more. We actually are acknowledging that we make room for um, returning the, the native animals and we, we enjoy that sort of thing, yeah. And you shared on Instagram a picture of a koala sitting in one of the trees of which you want more of. And was that like, an outcome that you know wildlife returned or have koalas always been hanging oh, around no, there no. that's totally new uh, when we moved here there was only uh, cypresses and pine trees not native trees nothing for a koala to eat um sadly i've planted a lot of trees at near near the garden because we have leo leo was our first koala and he was an old man koala that i think may have been at the, uh, kicked out of perhaps elsewhere And we thought he might be lonely, but now, no, 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 he's got, he's got a family <laughs> and <laughs> we, he, he, um, he lets us know he's around about 3 a.m. Koalas um, make, they're, no, they're nocturnal um, and they make a horrible grunting noise. I mean, and Leo is, is quite loud, um, but oh. no, the koalas are very new and they're, they're wonderful. They can actually be annoying, to be honest, but they're beautiful. And the sheepdogs, the grandchildren, everyone loves them. Yeah. 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 But I, when I was on my honey, honeymoon in Australia, we went to a, uh, also a koala bear sanctuary. And I think they sleep, do they sleep like 18 hours a day or something or a lot of hours, but then they don't sleep at 3 a.m. it seems. Well, two things. They, they eat a lot of eucalyptus and they're a little bit stoned. Ah, okay. <laughs> That's why they're quite drowsy. Um, <laughs> yeah, they are nocturnal. They move around at night because uh, okay. they don't, yeah, water is not really an issue. Yeah. So you don't need a rooster who keeps you up early in the morning. You have your koala. <laughs> well, but that's lovely that you see then also, you know, your hard efforts are showing results even though they keep you up at night. <laughs> <laughs> And um, 
yeah but also one thing you mentioned also is that you also measure your progress and before you also said that you um you're based on science etc and that also kind of leads me that you are also certified um and two you are iws certified and also for authentical and sustainable so what made you decide to sign up for these different certifications Oh, we, we wanted them. We wanted to be at the front of the queue for them because, <laughs> because well, um, when you're doing the best you can, if there's a standard that comes out, you want to know that you meet it. Um, uh, without being a bit arrogant, we know that we more than meet the standards. And in a way, the ESP will, uh, we put together a plan was my way of not just ticking boxes for a standard. We wanted to amalgamate the standards and look at Australian best practice and legislation and the requirements we have and put them all together. And so our plan includes how we meet all of those standards and, and a little bit more. Uh, we are very keen to demonstrate to the customer that we want to meet their needs. So we embrace those standards, absolutely. And do you see benefits from from these certifications? Oh, because absolutely. they're also an investment. Well, they are and they aren't. They're a little bit investment of time. Um, it's documentation. My husband won't use the apps that we have, but my son and daughter-in-law do. Um, but they're, 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 they're worth it in so much as when you sell your wool, you're saying to whoever buys it, We've done the absolute best. There's there's no higher standard. We've met Authentico, we've met Sustainable, we've met Responsible Wool Standard. And so I think that gives people confidence. It also is a really clever trick for keeping anyone who helps you on the farm in line <laughs> because they have to sign a declaration. And we have had no trouble with anyone. But what we've noticed is they're very proud to sign it. We, the shearers absolutely know when they come to Kiora that they, if, they, if a sheep is ever cut or anything like that, they put antiseptic on. They know the, the rules at Kiora and they want to be proud. They're professional shearers. They do a wonderful job. And so they're, they're happy to do it too. I think they like to see we've put the effort in for what they're doing. So no, we have no problem um, uh, doing it at all. Do you also see um, returns then in your wool price that you achieve with your wool? Or is it hard um, to I would tell? No, no, no. I would say yes. We've sold some directly because of the certification. So yes, definitely. I think anything that provides competition for your wool has to be good. The more people bidding on it, the better. Yes, yes, definitely. Okay. And yeah, then I already went on and on that, about your website that I found a lot of information there. Um, and for me, it was really distinct that you are very open and transparent because you go in a lot of details and talk about your motivation. Um, so is this also something that is really important to you and part of, of how you operate? I think to be ethical, you have to share what you're doing, honestly. I, I, I really do. And I think if you're putting your information out there, you're probably... Uh, been quite brave really because people can criticize you but I think also if you're based on best practice and science it's logical it makes sense and you can actually um, help people appreciate what you do our website 
is not for marketing. We're not selling anything. I mean, we sell wool, obviously, but it sells itself. That's, that's fine. So the website is really for people to have a look. And <laughs> there is a lot of information there. But the idea is that we don't know what people want to know. So we just put it all there and people can look at what they want. It may um, help educate a little bit or inform, and that's a good thing. I think it's a two-way street. We hear what people want, and it's nice if they see what we do to give it to them. So we're, we're very happy. I think we're doing people a disservice if we don't share the process, because if you share your process, you're, you're helping others to, to appreciate the work. Yeah. And do you see a lot of people finding you and contacting you through the website? Actually, the website, yes, not so much social media. Uh, the website, yes, we do do see a lot of traffic on it. And we, we do get quite a few inquiries. My husband's like, oh, seriously, because we'll have some people um, call, you know, they want just a couple of fleeces or something. And that's fine. Or we always find someone to pass them on to um, if we can't help them. And I think it's really nice, actually, if people feel that they're able to approach a wool producer and ask for ask a question. Uh, we've had people who would like to buy wool from us because we align with their values. And I mean, that, that's fabulous. Uh, we do sell uh, to uh, Wolfgang Scouter fashion brand in Australia directly, and they uh, really appreciate the transparency. They've been out to the farm and they are confident i think because of of the sharing we do yes yeah great and yeah you mentioned already also your social media and you already answered my question a little bit that you don't get that much um feedback maybe from there but do you see that is the your social media more connecting with your network that you anyways maybe have Uh, or do you also see people connecting that you like from somewhere else in the world and that you wouldn't have otherwise connected with? Uh, Facebook is a little bit just extended family and friends. Uh, Instagram is perhaps a little broader, but Instagram's a funny platform. A lot of people are trying to sell things. But I really like, uh, how do I say this? A girl I was working with said, I really like it when you post what's on your farm because it reminds me of my childhood on the farm. And I think that's what's missing a little. Well, no, it's probably missing less now than it was. I think people were disconnected from farming and didn't understand where things came from. I think perhaps a little bit pre-COVID and post-COVID, people are far more um, in tune with growing their food and uh, being more conscious of their shopping uh, or a conscious consumer. And I think that has perhaps helped link people back to actual farmers. So even if we just affect one person, that's fantastic. Uh, the, the information we put out there, look, we could be, uh, we could put more, share more and be more interactive and people could get to know our personalities and that might increase um, people, the number of people who follow us. But I don't really know that um, that that that's going to help people. Um, my daughter-in-law is quite busy teaching with three children, so she um, she she does a great job putting what she puts out there, and um, we're really happy to put it out there. Yeah, no, but everybody can decide for themselves how they want to, like how much of their personal lives they want to share and how much they don't. And so I yeah. think that's fully, you know, everyone needs to 
communicate how they how it fits with your own values and personalities so there's no yeah. right or wrong or something yeah. yeah um and then i also saw on your website that you ha are like either already won awards or you're nominated for awards so tell me a little bit about that oh My children think I'm a chronic award applicant, but no, we were nominated for awards and we've had a little flurry of them, which has been just fantastic. And what's fantastic is it's across a broad range of fields. Uh, we just won a, an Australian award for biosecurity, and that's an awesome uh, val validation of what we do. It also means that we can communicate to other wool producers The standards that are perhaps out there and what they might like to do. Uh, we've won awards for environmental sustainability. Actually, that was one award I did apply for, and that was intentional. I um, was sent a link to it from a friend, and when I looked at it, all the businesses that had won were very slick businesses and all very urban, and I thought sustainability is all about agriculture and farming and the land. Where's the farmers? And I, I did... Um, Uh, enter it but I didn't hit submit thank goodness because I typed up quite a, um, <laughs> a passionate uh, application and I put a lot of information in that would be only really appropriate for someone who is has an agricultural background and thank goodness they sent a generic email out a week before it was due and said you have a half started application would you like to finish it and I did hop in and write something a little uh, more balanced and we couldn't believe that we won it was phenomenal there was a huge awards evening and there's photos of sheep with all these recycled packages and solar panels and all the other clever things that people had and the feedback from that was phenomenal my daughter-in-law said I've never been so proud to be a, a wool producer and people were coming up to her and saying oh it's so good and I'm really hoping there's more farmers that apply for that sort of thing um, we've won awards for sustainable um, production techniques which is is good uh, land for wildlife those sort of things it, it all it's that sort of earth people animal friendly um, holistic approach and mm -hmm. yeah I, I think I, I won't be applying or um, I probably won't accept nomination for awards now I think we'll, we'll let other <laughs> people have a turn yeah yeah no but it's motivating maybe for others to hear that there are actually a lot of awards out there that we have a good shot at um, oh no we did very well to win come on <laughs> yeah that that is no no for sure but uh, no I mean that's motivating to hear um, that your work got honored and, and that others I, can well, try as well I think it's nice that it was a, a commercial family farm like we're a viable profitable farm we're not just you know you know 20 sheep and they're all beautiful but it's not actually making money and we're not Uh, some industry size where a commercial family farm and I think it was wonderful on on that level to win that we could actually be ag against rather more slick um, yeah. yeah yeah no definitely no congratulations also from my side <laughs> <laughs> thank you thank you and then you and I also uh, kind of connected through the wool connect conference and I wanted to ask you like What were the key learnings that you took away from the conference? Oh, I actually loved the conference. Um, I learned so much. I think it goes back to that you don't know what you don't know. Um, 
just to see uh, the people along the chain, the professionalism of the people and the passion of the people along the chain and to hear about lanolin. And of course it has to be organic and to hear about the brands and what they advertise and what they value. And I think even if you hear things that you don't necessarily agree with or that you're surprised by, I think that's really good too, because it just opens your eyes to the number of people that are involved. And it makes you realize, yes, we're very important, but we are just one link in a chain. And there's a lot of people with a lot of um, effort going into what they do and a lot of pride. And that, that we need to hear what they want and try and provide it for them because we're really the source. So <laughs> we, if, we, if you get it right at the start, surely it can th flow through. Yes, yes, yeah. I really enjoyed it. No, that always amazes me as well how, how much we um, depend on each other because the rest of the supply chain can't do anything without your wool, but you can't sell your wool if the rest of the supply chain isn't there and doing their job. So it's really needs to be a really oh, good balance. That's what we found with um, forming relationships or getting feedback. Um, Snyder's have helped us a lot with the vegetable fault well we don't have vegetable fault because we're usually clean and green um because we're quite lush but also the length of the fiber that they like the staple length the the details of what suits them for processing and to understand that that they try to use this not chemical and less water and they've got their quality systems they have to meet so when you get the feedback we, we actually can change our tweak our systems a little bit to give them exactly what they want. And, and that's the sort of thing that Wool Connect was just fantastic for, yes. And is there any other information that you think you need to, you know, would like to hear more of or, um, yeah, what would, like, what is missing? Oh. You, or is it, you don't know what you don't know, but. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I think the joy is going. And if I was setting it up, I, I would probably put the things I know in. So I really enjoyed hearing from people I don't know. Mm -hmm. um, as far as marketing, I was surprised at some of that and that was really good. Um, again, working with Wolfgang Scout is something where we've learned we will never ever want to take our wool full through to final product. We really respect the people that do their jobs. Um, and I think that communication is just, just to hear from them. A girl came in, um, to do a video clip for them and she came to shearing she'd never been in a shearing shed before and she said oh I can't believe how relaxed the sheep are mm -hmm. and I looked at her I thought what does she think happens when you shear a sheep they just sit there because we don't have you know dogs that are barking or jumping on the sheep or anything like that it, we're quite we're very um, gentle uh, when we're handling our sheep and the sheep are not stressed and she came away with a totally new appreciation for, for farming. So I think the, the more people that are involved in things like Wool Connect, the better, just, just to see where everyone else is coming from. And the, the, the preconceived ideas they have are, are, are just so far removed from what we think is normal. Yeah. yeah. And that was actually also one of my next questions. Like if you were to present... Uh, like at a conference like Wool Connect, what would you be talking about? You already shared a small story with the shearing, but oh. what would you <laughs> oh, think yeah. would be important to communicate? Um, I suppose, uh, uh, 
my personal stuff wouldn't be that interesting, although we've had a lot of challenges, so they <laughs> might be interesting. But as far as the farm, I suppose, sharing what we do so that the processors can appreciate that. Um, I do think, yes, I think that it's important that they realise that we are, or Australians are, are amazingly, uh, we're a mature democracy. We have fantastic systems in place with regard to monitoring our stock and flock health and that we do we put in what we take out as far as um, trace elements with our soil that sort of thing I think it does help if people appreciate the work that Australian farmers do and specifically of course we could speak with what we do but uh, just to develop relationships along the chain I think anyone who presents it, it, it helps yes mm. Yeah. Okay. And now I already am at my last question, which Ooh. is, uh, yeah, went, went quite quickly. Um, what do you actually love best about farming sheep and growing wool? Well, I actually quite like sheep. <laughs> <laughs> and I love wearing wool. So, so it's a good mix. Um, I think actually, personally, I do quite like nature. Um, I've worked uh, as a nurse and in quality and risk, and you're always under fluorescent lights and things. And just to have the life of being able to live outside and to have animals, when we're getting our sheep in, a five-year-old you will turn around and walk up to me because it was raised as a pet lamb. And you just look and go, oh, hello, lammy, because I honestly, I don't remember who they are. <laughs> and, and that sort of thing is just... To, to know that that it, you know you've got happy healthy sheep and that they're out there having a go it, it's also a fantastic lifestyle for families I think it's very meaningful and I think children grow up with a, a wonderful appreciation for how to care for well earth and animals and I think that's a wonderful thing also growing merino wool I mean I've, I've never heard of wool failing anyone it, it, it's a global product <laughs> that's given a lot of pleasure and so why wouldn't you want to be involved yeah yeah yeah, yeah and that reminds me also you you showed a few pictures of your pet, pet you call them pet lambs right when they orphan yes. orphan lambs so yes. so tell me a little bit they so they lose their mother during no 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 no, no how does um, it work <laughs> well usually it's um the smallest of triplets or something oh. like that and it'll be left behind um, it may have been a bit weak at birth that sort of thing um, and we always try and remother them up we're much I mean sheep are much happier outdoors yeah. <laughs> and 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 looking after themselves but uh, if we can't we will bring them home and um, I give them some colostrum and then, you know, feed them. And I'm trying to wean. I, you can't hear them at the moment, but I have six this year and I'm weaning them slowly. They're on down to one bottle a day, except for lightning. Lightning was a, a lamb that was very sick when we um, picked him up. I didn't think he would live. He was very flat and we gave him electrolytes. Um, the vet told me what to do specifically for lightning. So because he had electrolytes, we call him lightning. Lightning. <laughs> And and now he um, he has two bottles a day because he's just he's a he bit needs of a it. Yeah. Well, he, no, he doesn't need it. Oh, he, <laughs> he enjoys it. <laughs> he just looks at me as if to say uh, oh. he, he has you you around his little. He does. Finger. I think he, I think <laughs> I think he'll be. Um, I mean, they're in the garden and they make a 
an awful mess, but we just do it every year. And some some years there's only two, some years six is probably our most. Yeah. Mm. But, but then they group. when they once they're mature enough, they join the rest of the flock. Yes, they go back to their mm -hmm. mob. They 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 go back to their cousins, I keep saying. But I yeah. mean, quite often they'll walk back home and I'm like, oh seriously. <laughs> and no, then I, I have one more question that um because in the beginning you said that you moved actually I guess 20 years ago to this farm. And so how does that work practically? Did your sheep move with you or do you sell a farm <laughs> with the sheep and then you start or you already have new sheep on your new farm? How does that work with the sheep? Oh, you never sell your sheep. <laughs> okay, so you bring them with you. Yes, yes. Okay. Look, farmers, farmers don't often move. It's not something we would have planned to do. Uh, we couldn't expand in um, Murchison where we lived in central Victoria. And so, yes, we trucked our sheep across to South Australia. And I mean, it's it's a logistic nightmare. And we had my husband at one end and I was at the other. And then I started driving with the kids and realized we'd left the sheepdog behind. So we had to <laughs> go 300 kilometers back to get to get Judy, but that's that's fine. Um, it, it is, it's a logistic nightmare moving, but it's it's something we've done. And look, it's been very good to us. We, we can't complain. It's not something, I, I would recommend, but um, as far as growing our business, it has been the way we've expanded. Yeah, okay. and and yes, the sheep are happy to to keep coming. Yes. Okay. Good. And then they they adapt quickly to a new surrounding. Or? We're very careful with where we buy um, the farm. It's sort of a Mediterranean climate. It's very similar. Uh, the wool type changes a little bit where we are now because we are green until Christmas. Uh, like, you know, they talk about Australian bushfires and drought. We don't have that here. We are, we are green until Christmas and we probably dry off January, February, which is fine. And then we have moist March, I call it, with the rain starts again. So um, we have very little vegetable fault in our wool. So it has, it has gone up a grade as such. And that's, that's fabulous. Mm -hmm. uh, we have to be careful with the way we breed to make sure that, uh, we keep that nice whiteness in the wool. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, thank you for answering those questions. Like, like, I'm always about kind of the details. Like, how does that actually work if you have to move your sheep? But thanks for <laughs> answering that. Um, yeah. Well, thank you so much, Susan. It was wonderful speaking to you and hearing your story of what you do in in wool and with wool. <laughs> oh, thank you, Elizabeth. That was wonderful. I love sharing what we do i give you lots more details any day <laughs> perfect i'll be sure to call <laughs> thank you thank and bye-bye hey i do hope you enjoyed this episode and if you want to find out more then head on over to the show notes at elizabethvanzelden.com forward slash one to one so 121 and there you can connect directly with susan finnegan and her family um, I have linked to their website, which we talked about extensively, and also, of course, the social media outlets that we discussed during this episode. I do hope uh, you will be joining me again in two weeks' time, and I'll talk to you again soon. Bye for now. <laughs>